Welcome to Determined to Succeed. I'm your host, Dawn Malarney, also known as Unique Connector. So I'm so excited to have Shelly join me today. So Shelly, I want to kick it off today with a question of, in the corporate world, how do you know how someone is really feeling inside? Well, Dawn, that's fascinating because we all in the corporate world try to stay really strong and project a strong image. But there's all these little hidden things that happen along the way when we're feeling that insecure inside, insecure or not enough, or we're churning in our head and doubting. And it's things like um, over-explaining or maybe it's taking too long to decide or overcompensating. So trying to do more or be more or stay late at the office or produce things quicker or and it, and a lot of that can come like overcompensating is something that can cause people pleasing mm-hmm. because if you're not feeling good enough inside you feel like you have to hide that and push it down and when people's when people feel really confident and certain they just have that little extra energy and power but it doesn't feel like they're trying to hide something from you I love this topic because I feel like so many corporate people sometimes are just not showing up as their best self or they are, you know, saying yes to things because they think of it as an opportunity to keep working up the ladder. I even know for myself, you know, and so how can one maybe even shift their own self-esteem or recognize their self-worth? Well, that's a that's a great question because it is really possible and so many people don't think it's possible because they think they just are this way. They just are um, like an imposter, right? They're not quite there yet. They have to keep pretending they're there. Mm. And how we shift it is by recognising that what we tell ourselves, the sentences in our head, is what creates the feeling in our body. So if we're mm. feeling insufficient or inadequate, or not worthy, it's because that's the story that's on repeat in our brain. Mm. But that story doesn't have to be true. True. It's I always give the example of when I'm coaching people, we get a hundred, we imagine there's a hundred people smushed into your living room, and then we get them to vote. Is Shelley insufficient? Yes or no? Would all 100 people put up their hands and say she's insufficient? Not at all, right? There would be this kind of mismatch of maybe there's a couple of people that I, you know, forgot to get the milk and bread for and and they'd be like, yeah, she's totally, she's she's failing, she's not doing it. But everybody else would vote, yes, she's doing great. If all 100 people can't agree, that tells us it's a thought in our head. Mm. If it's a thought in our head, it's not true. It's just your body tells you it's true. But because your body tells you it's true, it creates that feeling in our body, which it might be insufficiency or inadequacy, but often it looks a lot more like shame or guilt. And, oh, I feel for people stuck in that shame spiral so much. Yeah. Because it's That's awful. Right. It is awful. And it's like, what? what was the catalyst to create the shame in us, you know, or what, why do we have such bad thoughts of ourselves sometimes? Would we ever say that to a friend? No. No, you wouldn't. 
It's like we're our own worst best friend because we decide we should have done something and we didn't and then we shouldn't ourselves and then we feel shame in our heart but then the action that comes from feeling shame is find everything else we haven't done yeah and it it creates this kind of downward spiral it's like the snakes and ladders game you've got on a snake and you're going down yeah you keep building and building and building yeah and then you wake up the next day and you think of the things you didn't do and it starts over again Mm. and it results in you doing less so you start creating evidence for this person that you don't want to be because you're in this spiral so your thought actually creates your result mm-hmm. instead of taking action or doing things yeah it's hard it. it's hard to get out of this stuff right it's easy to buffer and scroll on social media instead of like getting the thing done that you're now been putting off for three or four days mm-hmm well you know as I you know you and I met randomly online I giggled you know uh through one of my networking events and you know I instant found this connection with you of two just learning more about you but also realizing we both had children eight years ago we did and you know kind of crazy little small similarities that we both have but differences but I think too you know I guess I'm bringing this up because that kind of was a thing that helped or triggered you to now lead you into what you do now. Yes. So as you might have guessed, I'm a coach and I get to coach people on their thoughts. Clearly, I'm very passionate about what we think and how we feel. Mm-hmm. Because when I had my daughter, I didn't feel anything. And she may hear this one day and be shocked to hear that when you have a baby in your arms, the society's expectation is you look at them and you feel this beautiful amount of love. Yeah. I knew I loved her because she has blue eyes just like me. It is like looking into your own eyes and somebody else is the weirdest feeling. <laughs> so I knew yep. I loved her, but there was no love activated in my body because there was a chemical hormonal imbalance going on. So this looked like me waking up in the morning and looking at all the things I hadn't done because you're a new parent. You're trying to sleep and feed and do any and shower, basically. Like those are the three options. You can only choose one. You can sleep, you can feed your baby, or you can shower. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, you need to eat sometimes too in the midst of all that, you know? Sometimes that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, for the the first actually 18, 16 months or so of me having her, I felt inadequate and insufficient and just not enough. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have that joyous bonding experience. I remember vividly the day that I slept through the night and I turned up at the library and everyone's like, you're doing amazing. What happened? I'm like, I slept eight hours. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, I wish we had. Uh, What happens when we're a parent or when any big thing happens is we start to tell ourselves different things. 
when we get stuck in telling ourselves that you know we're not a good enough parent it creates this guilt inside our body because society says you're meant to be a good parent mm-hmm. and when that guilt sticks around for a day after day after day and then you put not sleeping on top of it you start to believe that you're just not good enough as a person yeah but here's the thing I was doing amazing like my baby was thriving I checked all the boxes I was getting counseling yeah and I knew I wasn't doing great but the baby was doing good so clearly I was a good parent but it wasn't until I finished breastfeeding and I went back to the doctor and I said look something's still not right she did this little test. It felt like the Cleo Cosmo tests in the magazines where you're like, choose A, B, or C. Uh, uh-huh. And I was like, I got 14. There's things like, how many times do you worry at night? You know, how much sleep are you getting? I'm like, what's a good score? And she deadpan looks me in the eye and says, zero. <laughs> and you could see like my brain just was like, my brain just opened up I'm like oh so 14 is not a good score yeah 14 means that I'm experiencing like fairly severe postpartum anxiety and I didn't even know that yeah until 16 months in so I went undiagnosed for 16 months thinking I was just a terrible parent Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. I know even for myself, I felt off. I feel like everybody feels off in this process. You know, maybe it's lack of sleep or whatnot, but it's all these society expectations too. But also going to the doctor and checking the boxes off and saying, you're good, go home. You know, you're handling this great. You know? Yeah. So that's what I did. I got yeah. medication I got counseling we checked all the boxes to so to finish that intense period of postpartum anxiety but because it went on for so long mm. I got into this habit of just hating on myself so when she was four and five I still thought I was a terrible parent she was still thriving coming home with paint spattered fingers from kindergarten and preschool but there was this moment where I realized like this is going to be me for the rest of my life if I don't do something about it I'm always going to think I'm not good enough and up until then I kind of hadn't like I thought in the corporate world that there's always bits of your job you can do better but I thought I was that I was doing great Mm -hmm. so when I went back to work and I felt like I wasn't good enough anymore it was really really hard it was hard to pretend that I was still doing good Mm. to put on that face mm-hmm. and put on that mask yeah every day how are you doing I'm doing great yeah well it becomes pretty obvious when your husband drives by you on the highway going the other direction and he sees you pulled over in your car bawling your eyes out he's like mm. you're not doing great we need help and then he asked yeah. me how often do you cry on the way to work I'm like every day while driving I'm not a great driver he was scared (laughs) he's like you cannot cry and drive at the same time we just know that like you can't even listen to music (laughs) (laughs) 
And yeah, crying every day. But I know for you, it wasn't crying because you were separated from your child. No, it was crying because that was the 15 minutes when no one was watching me. Mm. Where I could just let it and and kind of like transition from now I'm not looking after my daughter. I can actually let it out to now I have to walk in and do a corporate job and put on a happy face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So long story short, <laughs> five years felt like a very long time. I was able to find coaching and I got coached and I started to realize these are all thoughts in my head that are mm-hmm. creating this awful feeling in my body. And I learned how to stop those thoughts in my head and put new thoughts in and start to tell myself, look, I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm a good parent. It's possible I'm a good parent. Wait, today I was a good parent. Mm. It's stopping the cycle of shoulds that happen. And then COVID hit and I realized I wanted to help other people in this way because I saw how many people were struggling. And we've all been there. That's why we're talking today is because we've all been in those moments when we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the struggle is from something that's happened outside in our life. There's some big things happening in the world right now. And sometimes the struggle is just because we wake up in the morning and we decide to tell ourselves that today we're not good enough. And when we decide that the first day, it's easier to decide it the second day and the third day and the fourth day until it just becomes the truth. It's the truth in our head. Yeah, like you said earlier, that habit, you know, because it takes 66 66 days to create a new habit. And if you do it 66 days, well, you got that habit down. Yeah, it's not a good habit to have, but it's it's happening. It's happening. And it's kind of that spotlight on the negativity. And you know what's really cool? It doesn't take that long to undo a habit when you start to become aware of the thoughts that's happening in your head. Mm. When when I coach clients, we look at a specific single thought. It's like we unpull one thread out of this giant tangled up ball. And we're like, when you think this thought, you will feel this and you do this. And they watch it like a movie montage. (laughs) It's like, you know, the movie, the really sad movie that you're like, this is the bit I need ice cream for every time and tissues because you know what's coming. So when you know what's coming with your thoughts, you're able to more easily stop the thought, like pause it and go slower and allow yourself to say, oh, wait, this is a thought I'm thinking. And I don't want to think this thought today. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's as easy as that as finding that awareness and being like oh I'm going to step out of it sometimes the feeling like the shame and the guilt really sticks at us and it grips that thought in really tightly so even though we see like I'm telling myself that this is just a thought it's still too hard to take out so that's the other part of coaching is allowing that feeling to go through our body because it's safe to feel our feelings Our feelings are vibrations in our body. It is safe to feel them. And when we do feel them, it's easy to let them go. Yeah. And there's so many people 
spending so much effort to push those feelings down throughout the day. Like when you walk into a corporate job and you're in a meeting and you're like, I have to make like I know exactly what I'm talking about. It takes so much effort to get through that meeting because you're pushing down all these feelings. Yeah. And I hope this is a reminder just to all the listeners of, you know, some employees may say they're okay or, you know, have that great smile and face and act like they're normal. But, you know, deep down there can be a lot of things going on um, behind the scenes. Yeah. And it can be really hard to break that face and say, actually, you know, I'm not doing okay. Mm-hmm. And those are those somewhat awkward conversations in offices where I I had to do it with my boss of like, you know what, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay. And that was tough. Yeah, it's very tough. And I think that's the part too, you know, just our society is a lot different. And, and I know too, for you, you know, you're in Canada and I'm here in the U.S. and just timelines are different too even in the corporate world of things you know I had at the most 12 weeks you know and back at it you know I was um, pumping in a basement closet and going to all these events and hoping I'd have enough milk to feed my child each day and and trying to get back to the grind as if I didn't miss a beat Um, which I know too for you, it's a little different, but still similar things is you had a year, but all mm. of a sudden after that year, you got to get back to the grind again, you know, just same as me. And I think that's the part where it's just eye-opening too of just the time sometimes we need, but also too, it doesn't matter about the time that we have. It could still happen or these thoughts can go on no matter how long or how much time you have away from with or with your baby or away from your baby I guess even too yeah and when we go back we're still parenting 24 7 yeah and working 30 to 40 hours or 50 hours a week uh-huh and I don't necessarily coach I don't focus on coaching people with postpartum anxiety specifically because I coach mm-hmm. anybody on everything I'm a general coach but there's just this turning moment where if you can catch it at the right moment you can take these mums and these dads that are struggling so hard and give them their life back Mm. because we can let them learn those skills to change their thoughts around and then they get to go and enjoy their baby and their job or in some cases their eight-year-old and their job yeah yeah true (laughs) yeah so that's what I do yeah well I think that's so interesting too because I mean I feel like sometimes in life we have different moments where we learn Mm -hmm. yes and then it creates or is the catalyst for the future of what we should do or how we want to help other people and that's where even too for you Shelly did you ever imagine you'd be doing what you do now not at all I am I have a deep passion for supply chain and strategic consulting. Uh, like strategic sourcing is, I love it. Like give me an RFP to analyze and I'm in my happy place. That's because awesome. 
and I, and I've, I come from purchasing, so I have zero. I had at that time zero sales experience. But when you go from corporate to entrepreneur, you need to learn how to sell. Yeah. So I had no idea that I would end up, and, and I'm a very, very heavy introvert, that I would end up getting to learn other people's brains and help mm. them in this deep, impactful way. And I get to do it for the rest of my life because. When you find something you love more than strategic sourcing, you know you need to go with it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's this stunning moment of just like realizing this is my new thing and I love it. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. And just think all the, you know, it's unfortunate you had to go through it, but just think oh. of the impact and the change that you're doing for so many people. And, you know, I giggled too of like, we met at a networking event and, you know, you just said you're an introvert, but look at, we built such a deep connection. And I feel like that's the part two of life of you can meet new people, get new perspective, but also too, we're learning and growing in the same, you know, learning and growing with the people and we're getting new perspectives all the time. And so I just appreciate getting the chance to meet you, but also to getting a new perspective, but also to remind the listeners, they're not alone or it's okay if you feel off. Mm -hmm. Mm. and there's help there's help it doesn't matter who you start with just tell somebody yeah yeah well I appreciate you so much and I'm glad you got to be on the show and hopefully listeners will have some good takeaways from this but know you're not alone and keep shining bright Shelly and I'm really thankful that we met even though we are miles apart And that's the power of this virtual world and the power of connection. So thank you, Shelly, for joining me. You are very welcome. It's been such a pleasure. (laughs) Take care, Dawn. Thank you.